Hey everybody, welcome to Tone, oh, let's do a clap just real quick. So three, two, one, there we go. Hey everybody, welcome to Tone Menders. My name is Tim Muirhead and with me today is Renee Coronado in Dallas, Texas. Renee, how are you doing? I'm hanging in there. You're hanging in there. <laughs> we also have Teresa Morrow, our other co-hosts in Toronto, Ontario. How are you doing, Teresa? Doing fine. And today we have awesome guests. We have our returning champion, Kate Finan, who's been on before and is actually one of our most popular episodes. She works at Boombox Post. And we also have Jeff Schiffman here, her partner at Boombox. And they're going to kind of talk to us about how they're preparing for the COVID virus that uh, we're all kind of shaking our heads and wondering what is going to happen here. So trying to prepare for all contingencies, I guess. Teresa and Renee also work at studios that are doing their own kind of uh, preparations that we will get into a bit, I guess, as well. I'm a freelancer who rented a space downtown Toronto, and now I've moved everything home. I went and cleared out my space. I'm working from home from now on until we get through this. Uh, so, Kate, Jeff, how are you guys preparing for this? Uh, well, we've been um, running around like chickens with our heads cut off here, just uh, trying to jo uh, bob and weave here with all the different changes that come every day. But um, we put together a plan starting on Friday. Um, and on basically Thursday, I think. starting on Thursday and basically we're recording this on Monday. So that's four uh, days ago only. Yes. So four days ago on Thursday, when things started to get especially serious in the LA area, uh, Kate and I started to formulate a plan and we've been working since through the weekend up through right now and continually to try to get as many people as we can working from home in a couple of different tiers. So can you give us an idea of how big your company is? How many people are you, we talking about? So we have about 25 or so, give or take, um, employees. And not everybody, though, works in the office. Uh, a few of those people are remote already. But for the most part, um, most of our editors um, and almost all of our mixers are in-house with us. So um, it's been a considerable effort. We also have, um, we have a number of different clients. We kind of work with all the major animation studios that do television as well as a number of smaller studios around town. And so everybody has had a different pace of rollout with the changes that they want to make to which services are provided, how those services are provided, who on their team is working remotely, who still wants to come into the office. So um, in addition, one, it's changing our schedules, changing our our workflow from the client side, but it's also affected who's able to work from home on our team. Um, so we did have, like Jeff said, there were tiers. So we started with, as most companies did, the quote unquote non-essential people getting sent home um, by end of day, I believe on Friday. Yes, yeah, so that would be our, our editorial staff that don't deal with clients, so they could do their editorial from home without it impacting our business directly. Yeah, so that was our tier one, and we got, not everybody had a home setup, so we had to go around and survey everybody, find out what do they have, what do they not have, what can we give them from the office. We said right away, obviously our staff's health and safety is the most important thing to us and, and should be to our business as well. Um, so, and we trust everybody implicitly, so we... We're totally comfortable sending people home in the interim period with the gear that they have here in the office that they use. So it was just a matter of cataloging that, um, 
gear, figuring out what they need to be sent home with them, inventorying it as it got packed up, um, checking it all out on a spreadsheet so we knew what to get back from them when they come back into the office, making sure that we don't leave out any cables, what might be the difference in their setup, also, you know, just Ethernet-wise, et cetera, like what cables aren't part of their setup here but may need to be part of it at home. So that was a, a big task that um, Jeff and one of our assistants largely tackled while I was busy mixing with clients. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and after we walked through that first phase, we kind of learned some pluses and minuses about how we were able to phase people out. And then we started to plan for, okay, what if things get a little more serious? And about midway through that planning, uh, things got a little more serious. <laughs> <laughs> so um, what, what we did next was we figured out, uh, as far as the client side, how much our client interaction really was going to take place. And it became very apparent very quickly that all the studios we were working with were going to be on lockdown in one form or another, either locking their offices away from us and people coming to visit us or locking down their people entirely to work from home. So either way, even our supervisors here who do deal with clients, we're not going to be able to have that opportunity any longer. So it became quickly apparent that we should be sending them home as well. So most of today was sending our uh, second tier, our supervisors, uh, lead editors, uh, assistants home. And Basically all of our non-mixing but client-facing personnel. So people who were dealing directly with clients who we had wanted to keep in the office. Um, so now all that we have currently still in the office are people who cannot work from home because like they don't have a mix room, you know, et cetera, that there's some very much larger structural reason why they can't go be not just software or a computer. At this point it's mixers and our one assistant who basically helps us set up the mix stage. So that's what we have left here as our skeleton crew. The most complicated setup we really had to deal with yesterday was figuring out sending home our assistant who handles all of our media downloads. So we had to basically get her rig set up in a way that it could be remotely uh, accessed via VPN so that at home she could mirror her work computer because we have fiber internet here, we have materials streaming in constantly, they need to be distributed onto our internal server which is not facing to the outside in any way. So a lot of that logistics we had to run through with IT, we did that over the weekend yesterday. Um, and at the same time, there was a power outage, and <laughs> we realized that our whole system would go down in, in a power outage if we were locked home, and there would be no way to fix that. So uh, I ran out to Best Buy and got the beefiest UPC backups I could get with a couple hours of runtime. So we put the, our server as well as that computer on some pretty hefty backups. That's a consideration that a lot of people you know, don't have when they when they go to the house is that you know they've got you know microphones and interfaces and they feel like they can do work, but at the same time you start needing a, a different level of IT infrastructure as far as you know uh, data upload and download and storage and, and data security and all of that from the house. Exactly, and that's kind of the biggest hurdle. Um, even home internet can be pretty quick, but even so, when we're talking about moving, sometimes five to 10 gigabyte picture files and we're working on a dozen series, uh, everyone's internet is gonna be bogged down pretty quickly, uh, especially someone who's managing all of those files directly from home. So we really needed a solution that was mirroring our internal access here. And luckily it worked really well. It's been very seamless so far. How are you dealing with larger databases like a sound effects library or something like that? Something that you can't really like easily transmit over the internet? 
So that we also, that was honestly our first concern with sending all these people work from home was getting them a library that uh, that they can use and that's sufficient. So we went out and bought a bunch of hard drives and just immediately started. We had one that was clonable that we just have around the office as our, our master as well as we also have one on our server as a backup. Um, but we just started, you know, cloning. And obviously the ability to do that grows exponentially with each clone. So eventually Jeff just had all of the computers going today with his assistant cloning more drives. And then we did a, um, with one that was done earlier, we had, Jeff um, got started a SoundMiner database off of that. And so we also copied that database onto each sound effects drive so that it would be ready to import, just ready to roll. So no one would have to index it themselves. You know, with all this, with all this planning, um, the, I guess the best use case is we sent one of our lead editors, Brad, home today and uh, loaded all of his stuff in his car. And about, I'd say, 70 minutes later, he said he was home and fully up and running, which was pretty remarkable. He does live very close by, even in L.A. <laughs> even in L.A., there's not much traffic right now. But, but he said it was almost scary that he, like, he plugged it all in and then it was just working as if he were in the office. So you were just picking up the workstation, like the the what the Mac or whatever they're working on, like the whole workstation, yeah. and packing the whole thing up. So for him, he had nothing at home, um, and so yeah, we just packed up his entire station and and put it in the car. Yeah, so you you worry about you know maybe the cumbersomeness, but if you if you plan ahead in this way, it's definitely worth uh, putting people's safety above the the headache of kind of figuring all these sorts of things out because it really in the end with enough planning it made it pretty easy for us to to get him up and running very very quickly. He also didn't he didn't need the entire setup um, that he has here, so we kind of went through it and said, well, what do you actually need, and also what's feasible for you to have in the space that you have at home. So he. He's obviously not going to, you know, wall mount 5.1 speakers and everything. He doesn't really need his surrounds. He doesn't really need his subwoofer. Um, he just took a stereo setup, you know. Um, I, he has a control surface so that he can do client interactions and and prep things a little bit better. But I'm not sure that he took that either since we're at the moment doing all of our client stuff remotely. And, and just some of those things weren't, weren't completely necessary. Yep, exactly. Yeah, um, which is kind of a, a blessing in disguise because since we're going to be moving everything basically to QuickTimes, it kind of simplifies things because everyone's going to be previewing in stereo. So we didn't have to worry too much about getting too complicated with home setups. Most editorial we find can be done in stereo with uh, 5.1 in mind. We love it when our editors that work remotely have a 5.1 setup. It certainly makes things easier, but there's not much in our workflow that requires uh, surround necessarily in the editorial side of things. We also, Jeff and I, you know, we we on Thursday and Friday, things were just happening so fastly that we were definitely in a, a reaction-only mode where just information was coming, clients were calling, things needed to happen, people need to be sent home. But we did take some time this weekend and jumped on a call. Um, and Jeff's wife is our director of finance, and we got on with her too. And we sort of walked through, like, not just what are the three tiers of our employees, but business-wise, like, what are the three tiers of how serious this situation could get? And in each of those tiers, what do we need to do? And what can we do now to be one step ahead, like one tier ahead? So we said, you know, tier one is that our clients are working from home, but otherwise everything's business as usual. And that we, and that obviously we're honoring like the health and safety of our staff. So that really led us to like where we had been with sending non-essential 
office people home and trying to figure out some workflows for like doing, you know, quick time previews and things like that. Um, and then the next step was sort of, well, and some people were still coming in. The next step was, what if nobody comes in and nobody wants to mix and we have to figure out mixing remotely with conferencing? You know, how are we going to tackle that? And then step three is like, what if we all get quarantined and at 3 p.m. on one day, we get a call from the government and they say, everyone needs to go home right now and we need to have an action plan of grab this list of things, get in your car and go, and then know that if our clients want their services to continue, that that could go on for, you know, one week, two weeks, five months, whatever, and that we wouldn't be held back from offering what we want to, which not only is the services to our clients, but also the livelihood for our employees, because we failed to plan ahead and we failed to think, like, how many sound effects drives should we have cloned? Because we just weren't at that tier currently. So we kind of, you know, I... I texted Jeff and Corey, and then I we had a call, and I said, welcome to my anxiety party, <laughs> you know, where we yeah. think of, like, all the doomsday solutions in terms of, like, client billing and staffing and employees and how do we people keep people on the payroll and all of that in addition to the technology that we need to research. How, mu- how many things should we test before we choose something? How good does it need to be? How big of concessions are we willing to make on quality of our services if the clients are happy? You know, that those are all questions and it's really hard to answer all of those simultaneously. But the only way to do it is really to make an action plan that has concrete steps and then try and just follow through. So that's what we're doing. Mm-hmm. And I, I guess that maybe the fourth step is what if people start falling sick? Yeah, we had a meeting with our staff uh, mid last week as everything was sort of coming to a, a bit of a fever pitch and just discussed with everybody the the severity of the situation and making sure that if they were feeling at all sick, not only did they not come to the office, but that they were not required to work and that we would find a solution and figure things out because it was the most important thing that we not only didn't infect each other, had a little bit of a self-quarantine going on, but that we take care of each other. And we're pretty lucky because we have a very diverse staff of editors. So it doesn't worry Kate or I too much. If someone falls ill, we always have someone that can step in, cut a different style, adapt to a different show. Everyone's pretty versatile. Yeah, and just, um, you know, from the... There are a lot of, for listeners out there... um, if you're an employee rather than a freelancer or contractor, um, there are definitely, I don't know if it's this way in every state or if this was a California thing, but I think that you're, if you prove that you have gotten the coronavirus, that you can apply for unemployment basically or um, disability and get up to 70% of your pay for two weeks. That's also true if you are taking care of a family member at home and you can't work because of that. And in addition, there are there are a lot of resources through the um, SBA.gov if anybody has their own business license or are if they're a small business where they're doing small business counseling um, to help you go through just um, what if you run into financial difficulties, cash flow problems. Um, there's dedicated money there to give small business loans to get you through it, as well as people who are really, really experts in um walking you through all the scenarios that you might not have thought of financial, business planning, staffing, employee like laws of, of how you should be paying people in situations like that. They're, they're standing by to have those one-on-one consultations. So um, that's a great resource. 
I, yeah, I do believe it's California that we were referencing originally, but I'm sure most states have plans somewhere along those lines besides any sort of federal relief. Yeah, there's a lot of legislation that's just in motion, so. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I encourage people not to give up that. I am on another network of um, mostly concert people who are really super hit hard because they're mostly freelancers and there is a lot of freak out. Um, just like, I have no work all of a sudden for the next two months. What am I going to do? And I really encourage people to get on the internet, start researching your options, and don't give up because, the, and also in a legislative framework, like the more people make it known that they're in crisis, the more um, jurisdictional governments are going to have to step in. Um, in Canada, we currently have a bill in Parliament going forward that is hopefully going to suggest a, a temporary basic income which would be the kind of thing that would help out freelancers enormously. So we'll see how that develops as well. Yeah, we should mention that we're recording this on Monday, uh, March 16th. So if you're listening to this a few days later, everything could be different. <laughs> yeah, and we, we've been finding, too, that the, the best and most reliable and honestly the only places that we've been looking for information on a, on a business front is um, cdc.gov. So that's the, the U.S. version of our... Um, what, what is it? Center for, for Disease Control. Center for Disease Control. So they have all the stuff about what you should currently, what are the current recommendations for in your home with your family? If you have a business, what are the recommendations, et cetera? And then, like I said, SBA.gov is the Small Business Administration, um, which is a nonprofit through the uh, American government. And so I'm sure that there is also the equivalent of that other places as well. But those are um, the government and, and the CDC, <clears throat> excuse me, really are the... You want to go with a real official source like that when you're getting information about your livelihood. And there's honestly a a tremendous amount of information already out there on on a lot of different fronts um, with a lot of links. So you can spend plenty of time going through them if you you have it, which we all might very soon. (laughs) We might all have time for it very soon. We'll see. We should also mention that... uh, Tonebenders is also is a part of the sound community, and we've been getting emails from people who are panicking uh, because, as Teresa said, some of the live sound people last week on Wednesday morning they woke up and had uh, three months of solid work in front of them, and by noon everything was gone. They had an empty schedule, but uh, we all got to find a way to prop each other up. There there are some companies trying to do things about this, and we have a web page. If you go to tonebenderspodcast.com, we have a page, and we're trying to make an, a, a list of all the companies that are. Uh, extending special shorter licenses for people who have to work from home for uh, DAWs and uh, some companies are giving away free iPad apps just to kill time with making noise. Uh, So if you head to our website, you can find some of that and we're going to be adding to that uh, as the things build. But Renee and Teresa, maybe this is a question more for you. I'm not sure if, uh, Kate and Jeff, do you do VO recording in your facility? We do not. You do not. I had a three-hour session today. You had a voiceover session today? I had today? a three-hour session today with someone that just hopped off a plane from, from California. Oh, great. Okay. <laughs> so how are you guys kind of locking down the voice booth and the microphones and stuff? To- so we've got our protocols in place. Um, uh, with regards to shared spaces, um, basically nobody that's not on staff goes to those right now. Um, the... The voice actor only goes like from the front door directly to the booth. And I had it set up with a speaker instead of headphones. So they're not using headphones. 
So they basically just walk in and, you know, they, they get a script handed to them and they get to walk into the booth and then we get to, uh, we get to push the talk back and, and laugh at jokes that way. Um, it's, it's still scary, right? I mean, you're still, you're still, it's, it's a weird, like emotional time right now to be around other human beings that, you know, you kind of want to, that are your friends or even strangers that you don't know so well that are just in for a session and everyone has to walk in and then, you know, there's just like this, this, I don't know, mental force field of like, Oh, Hey, I'm not going to shake your hand. I'm going to stand way over here and say hi and tell you that the bathroom's that way to go wash your hands. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, but you know, then you get on with it and you do, you go do the session and then afterwards, you know, you know, I, you know, whoever, whichever engineers in the room is responsible for, you know, the sanitation clean down after the fact. And, you know, our mentality internally is we have to treat ourselves as though we are already um, unconsciously carrying the disease and not trying to infect the other people that we work with. Um, and so, you know, we have to, you know, socially isolate ourselves from the rest of our coworkers. Um, you know, we talk to each other over the intercom as opposed to, you know, in the in the kitchen. And, you know, we just kind of are doing that. There is a real human element of stress that that causes. And there's only, there's only so long that I think the human mind can maintain that level of vigilance before it starts falling off. So we'll see what happens. Um, but for now, that's what we're doing. Yeah, there's a funny balancing act between um, wanting to, and this applies to the whole deal, wanting to stay in business and messaging to our clients like we are in business and we are here if you want to work, we have found ways to work. And at the same time, you know, we had a voiceover session on Friday and we've got another one on Wednesday. Like the actors don't want to be here. The producer doesn't want to be here. I'm working for the studio. I'm not the production company. And uh, so it's a very weird situation to be in, to be kind of like stuck in the middle that way. But at a certain point, you're like, maybe we shouldn't be doing this at all, you know? So I think the voiceover situation is really a iffy one. And uh, subsequent to Friday, all of our upcoming voiceover sessions for our series work was canceled until further notice. So I was happy to see that because I, we can make all kinds of contingencies and offer all sorts of ways to reassure the clients and to make sure that we're doing things right. But how much are we making uh, contingencies for situations that really are not a good practice to begin with? Like maybe we should just shouldn't be doing that at all or refusing the business. I don't know. It's a really hard call to make. Um, I'm, I'm working hard with the actor friends that I have just to make sure that they have, you know, good sounding rigs and good source connect rigs. And, you know, I'm just jumping on Skype with them and getting them set up and sending long emails to them. I mean, like, hey, you know, if you use an SM7B, you don't have to treat your room so much. Then, you know, if you're using the TLM 103 or whatever, and just kind of, you know, giving them, you know, baseline, hey, you can get up and running and get source connect going so that even though, yes, you live four miles from me, we can do a session. The more difficult situation is with ADR because, you know, with ADR, the actor can't engineer the session. And so, you know, we've got a session on Friday where, you know, we're really having to communicate and lock our lock our procedures down with regards to, you know, the state of the facility and, you know, the comfort of the actor to come in and do work. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it's a tough call. At what point do you say, no, nah, um, mm. we're not going to? I don't know that we're at that point yet, but I, but it's, it's really hard to tell. Kate and Jeff, 
How are there is no answer to that, Renee? So I'm just going to leave that hanging out there. <laughs> well, you know, things <laughs> but, uh, that would make that answer easier would be, you know, if some legislation that's in motion, you know, finishes getting passed, then then it's a lot more feasible for a business to say, hey, let's let's put this to the side. That's um, what I've been saying to Jeff too. Is that you know if. Uh, if somebody were to come in and just have some some sort of mandate, and I'm not saying what it would be, but just across the board for us as a small business, we would be so much better able to deal with everybody having the same opinions about what services we should be doing and and how. Uh, what's, what's very difficult for us to game plan is that not only do different studios, are they on different levels of mandated work from home for their own personnel, but then within those studios, some of those people are still saying, well, you know, if I'm home, then like I can just stop by your studio, you know. And so we have some clients who still want to show up and they're and it's hard for us because it's not a greed thing where we want to, you know, get the money because it's there. What it really is, is if they want to continue the services and that means that we can keep our staff employed in a time of need it's a really hard call to decide what is safer and what is better for our employees to remain employed or to remain, you know, safe from a health crisis. And, and honestly, both things are equally important, just uh, very, very different. And, you know, our staff might have certain opinions about maybe just being employed. And a lot of them are young and they, and we've heard them in the kitchen saying like, well, it doesn't matter because we're in our twenties and it's fine. We don't really need to be that careful. And, but we have to be, you know, it's like parenting where you have to make the tough choices and sometimes people don't appreciate them. And, and if they turn out well and nobody knows the difference and nobody gets sick because we sent people home and we told our clients, no, you have to do quick time previews. You can't come to the office for this. Then they might not be the wiser, but you know, it, those are the tough calls that we have to make. And it certainly would be easier if somebody at least got everyone on the same page. Yeah, our best weapon really against all of this has been to come up with systems that we feel are really elegant to replace what everyone's used to. And to say very professionally, uh, here is a way that you can review our work. It's not going to be the same as being in the same room as us but it's going to be easy on you, it's going to be quick, and it's going to make the back and forth that would otherwise be pretty clunky pretty seamless. And we figured if we could game plan these things and think out the A to B to C and walk through our clients each of these systems, everyone would be excited about an alternative that just seems pretty simple and pretty easy to work with. And so that's on the preview side, the spotting side, as well as the mixing side. So that's a lot of what we've been working on these last few days is to get those systems to a place where we can confidently say, this is something that we believe in that's going to work really well. And we can't mm -hmm. do that with something we've never used before. So we've had to spend a lot of time with those things and kind of make sure that they're working well for our clients. And that's the stage we're in now is presenting that to our clients and waiting for approval to see who's game and who's on board. And I think we've done a pretty good job of planning it out and presenting it in a way that most people are on board, <clears throat> as well as um, testing them directly with the clients and saying, hey, run through a session with us and see what you think. Can you describe a bit the tech that you're using and the process that you're using for spotting and preview and then also for mixed review? Yeah, absolutely. So we we came up with um, some suggestions not only from uh, other people in the industry as far as sound people, but from clients themselves. And we found a program, a software called SyncSketch, which is just a protocol online and you subscribe to it. And it's built 
in a way for people to do a lot of visual feedback so that they can draw and picture, et cetera. But we adopted it for our sound use, and it actually, we tested probably, I think I tested four or five different video conferencing protocols, BlueJeans, Zoom. Uh, what else did we test? We've done, like, Google Hangouts in the past. We've mm-hmm. done a number of, of different things like that. And the, and the issue with those really is that it's very hard, as I'm sure you guys know, to route your uh, the audio directly from your Pro Tools system into it while also having the video conferencing going. And so really the, the only option with those sort of consumer-level video conferencing softwares is to play out of your Pro Tools, capture it via, like, your laptop microphone out of the room and have people talk. And so our clients, of course, all wanted to do that because they were the most concerned that the communication be the same, feel the same as it usually did, the feel like we were all in the room. And we had to step back and say, hey, guys, we know that the communication is important. We are also really interested in having great communication, but we're here to make the audio as good as possible. And you can't do critical listening like that. Like we can't blue jeans these sessions. So um, yeah, we got a recommendation for Sync Sketch, and you basically upload, you make projects, which we made one for each of our series, and then you upload QuickTime videos, and you can either, um, so you invite people to the project, and each of them can individually review it, and there's a chat window, and wherever your marker is in the QuickTime, it'll automatically put a, um, a comment there, so, and then you can output it as PDF spotting or previewing notes that way, also, so it lets a bunch of people uh, comment and you don't have to put together all the emails then if you have multiple clients. Um, but there's also a function where everybody can still have their appointment if they want to. They can get on there at the same time, um, wear their headphones. Like if I were the supervisor, I could manage the the session and I would be the only one with control of the playback head. And then we could uh, add a Skype call or something on a laptop to that situation if people wanted that or just a conference call on the phone or just use the chat window to, um, and we could take notes in real time if they really needed that interaction. The only limitation there is you can't do things like radio play editorials or, or mix playbacks because it's a quick time that you're reviewing. So you can't make any live changes to it. You can only take notes. But, but it is full quality video and audio, or, or at least as close as we've seen on the internet. Yeah, and for our, for our workflow, it actually works really well because we don't typically accomplish the notes with the client sitting there. We're on kind of a two-week turnaround, so we have plenty of time uh, after that to go through and dig in and really accomplish those notes. So there's not a lot of back-and-forth trial that needs to be happening. So it's it's pretty quick. Each of the users have their own tags, so all the comments are tagged per user, so you know who it's coming from. And it even outputs a screenshot of the exact frame wherever that note was made. So there's really no confusion as to what someone's talking about when they're trying to give you that note since they're not there in the room with you. Honestly, that sounds like uh, something I would want to start using in non-emergency circumstances. Like <laughs> I know, that kind well, that's of, our... So it just puts it, all the things you need together that we've been doing through like six different pieces of software anyway. That's our hope is that honestly this, this although it was completely unenjoyable to try and figure all of this out in just a few days, um, and we're hoping that... All of our clients, whether they like it or not, are at some point probably going to be onboarded to that software. It's very easy to use. I think it's like $8 a month or something for us, and then we can invite the clients and it's free for them. Um, 
And but we're hoping that all of them are just like, hey, this isn't this great. We can just leave notes and then I won't be putting together emails into a spreadsheet and then explaining those notes because the client said them in a way that won't make sense to anybody else. And, you know, there's so much work sometimes that goes into my job when people want quick time previews that just having this in place and also having them already understand how to use it, I think is going to be very time saving in the future uh, when we're back up and running at full capacity. It's nice to have a glimmer of hope right now that maybe <laughs> something good will come out of all this. That workflow sounds very similar to Frame.io. Also, we use Frame.io a fair amount. They have okay. Um, they have uh, uh, timeline-based commenting as well, um, and, and groups and that type of thing. Um, so we have we have a, a number of clients that that like to go that way for for similar workflows. If you're doing real-time stuff, um, Source Connect has a product called Source Live. That is full res video and audio um, that goes down the pipe. It's got a lot of latency to it. Um, it's like four seconds or something like that, depending on your depending on your pipe. But if you need you know fast back and forth full res mix notes, um, I've used that. Um, I, I've I've been pitching that too. So I, I work a lot in sports. I actually did the open for the LA Kings. That's up there right now. Um, and so I've been pitching that to the uh, to the arenas to do real time mixes in the arena, so that basically I'm in front of my Pro Tools rig and they hook an iPad up into you know the board in the arena, and we can make sure that what's happening in my control room is translating well to those weird spaces that are like highly reverberant with you know big PA's and that kind of thing. But as for an open that's going to roll over and over again, so we can really lock that down. the The challenge I've run into is. Uh, you know, finding dark days for arenas <laughs> just doesn't seem <laughs> to happen too much. But but we did test the software. We did we did you know proof of concept of that, and and it does work well. So in in a situation where you have faster turnarounds, that's another option too. So what are you guys anticipating doing for mixed playback? So a very similar piece of software to Source Live um, is what we tested today called Evercast. Uh, it's a monthly subscription to a room, basically an online room, and you can stream your Pro Tools um, session, the audio, and you can choose which visual to to have on there. And then you set up a laptop with the video conferencing end of things, and then you can have I don't I think nine to twelve uh, guests or something like that. You can pay for different tiers for your rooms. So the tier we have, I think, is somewhere around nine to twelve. Uh, we actually we tested it today, and I think we had about nine streams going, maybe four or five on home internet, a couple from our office here. Um, and it was pretty solid. Um, it definitely was better than we thought it would be. It was better than we thought it would be. it, you know, there are sync problems, like intermittent sync problems. So um, different people had different issues depending on, you know, their internet. And that's one of the biggest challenges with this is that we're not dealing with something that we can source connect where we're talking about like, hey, there's a New York studio and we want to like, con we want to bring them into the mix or like there's even just New York clients, but they can all go to a studio or something. This is very unique. I've never heard of anything like this where some of my mixes have, you know, seven participants on the client side, all of them are going to be at home on their home shitty internet, uh, trying to live stream not just into my mix, but also having a video stream and audio coming from them at the same time. It's just really intense. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> What's the latency like? It's uh, 
uh, the the latency is very low. Um, it's surprisingly low. Yeah. I think that's probably their biggest selling point. Um, it was almost perfect real time. Uh, I think that's why we ran into some intermittent issues. If you refresh your personal stream, then it kind of fixes those issues. Um, so we we had some pretty good luck with it. There are limitations. Uh, I think the it's stereo only, which is obviously the biggest issue. But most of our people, our clients, don't have a five one preview set up at home anyways. We also sp- did speak to their their somebody from their their tech side of things and he said, "Yes, could we could we send a 51 signal supposedly out? Could they then route it into a receiver that they have in their living room and get it into their home theater setup?" That's yes. <laughs> but the question is really can a bunch of non-audio people figure out what the hell we're talking about with cable types of cables and where to plug it in and how to set that up? It's it's probably just not worth it. I so we just sold it as the if you get some pro quality headphones and we mix from home, you're just gonna have to live with the fact that you don't hear the five one and trust us that it sounds good. Know that we mixed it on in five one and that you're hearing the fold down. The ultimate irony here is that. Every one of our clients really just wants to concentrate on the crappy speaker stereo playback when we're on the giant mix stage because they yeah. want They want the real world playback. They but literally soon- want to play it out of like a tiny TV with the worst speakers possible. But for some reason, headphones at home is a bit of a leap. Yeah, so <laughs> it's it's just sort of the ultimate irony right now. I mean, you're you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. But um, that's that's sort of one limitation that we had, and then the other major issue we have is just as far as if you have kind of shout out note kind of clients that are just going to want to interrupt and kind of let you know their thoughts. Well, then if you got seven clients, you have seven audio streams that are all live. And when we tested it today, <laughs> when we and, tested and it, it's it, not in office ones. Everybody's at, at home, home, so their kids are running around. Their cats. Yeah, are you meowing, haven't trained your clients you know. properly. <laughs> <laughs> well, Shut up I, and wait. <laughs> They're not pre- they're not prepped for this at all. Uh, so I someone's think someone's cooking in the kitchen, like one foot away from their face. I swear there was a vacuum running, like the most <laughs> <laughs> cliche. Um, but I think what we would probably do, should we decide to go, go forward with this, is just ask all of our clients to mute their microphones, and then if they have a comment to make, unmute themselves and mute again. Essentially, just having a talk back mic scenario in their own. Uh, living rooms. So I think we'll have to enforce that rule. Otherwise, it's going to be chaos. I mean, when we were doing the practice, one of our mixers was in on it and he said, you know, I could easily see there being a click or a weird sound and everyone's saying, okay, what's that sound effect? And it's just, you know, somebody putting a glass down on a table or something or, uh, yeah. So, but other than that, it really is pretty slick. We were kind of pleasantly surprised with it today. So that's our front runner. Yeah. You wouldn't want to like QC dialogue sync with it because you just you would just drive yourself crazy you know like everything kind of uh, you know it's a it's loose and you have to that's the thing is we we also had to talk about like how many concessions are we willing to make on the technology getting us there um but not being a hundred percent of the listening environment that usually is and how much do we think how many concessions do we think our clients are going to be willing to make and and that really varies client to client too like some of them are going Hey, we understand. We're just trying to get this job done. We know you guys do a great job day in, day out when we're at the studio. It's not like you're going to drop the ball all of a sudden. Um, and, and they they understand there's going to be a little bit of latency. Some people are very resistant to change, you know, so it's... Um, it varies. This is a time yeah. when people are going to be more uh, 
more uh, reasonable with regards to change, though. People are forced into, you know, what they're forced into in this particular mm-hmm. moment. You would hope so. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, I think we're still discovering that. It's still kind of early to see where we're going to land with everything. But, you know, we have the alternative of putting a mix together, sending out a quick time. People can not worry about latency or other sounds, and they can just concentrate on it when they have the time to concentrate on it. And with Sync Sketch, it makes it easy for them to leave their notes. So we're kind of presenting two good options right now, and it'll really kind of depend on the production and what's going to work best for that workflow. Yeah, Jeff, the thing I was most struck by by the tweet that you had on Friday was your attitude that uh, the tweet was something like, I'm so excited that (laughs) we have got all these solutions. And I think maybe that's like key is messaging to the clients that you're you're jazzed about the opportunity to be able to do this and what you're going to be asking them to do. Yeah, I mean, I think that's really kind of part of well, it's part of my personality. I'm a, I'm a never-ending optimist in general, and I just like to look on the bright side, um, sometimes much to the dismay of my wife. But um, we, who's <laughs> a realist and brings us down to earth, but we basically have kind of part of our ethos as the company here is just that, you know, we're making cartoons. It's It's not the most intense thing in the world. It's fun. It's light. Our clients are all artists. They're all very easygoing people. We don't deal with high-strung personalities on a daily basis. So if we can kind of keep a cool head for our clients and let them know, hey, we're not going to be part of the problem. We're going to be part of the solution here. We're going to fix all of these things before they ever become your problem and present you with solutions before you even thought that there might be a problem in the first place. That's sort of our attitude in general with work, and we, we always want to be the easy part. I mean, production in general is so complicated with so many people involved, and we're the last part of the chain, and usually people just come collapse on our couch and are happy to be almost done. So we want to make sure that we're the easy part and that we don't create issues for people. So that was sort of my attitude as we were flying around the office. There was just, you know, our assistants and our editors, and everyone was just sort of figuring out how to make best of this situation. And I just looked around and I was really proud to see, you know, amidst this real crisis, everyone was just working together to try to keep making cartoons. It's pretty cool. I think you brought up two other very interesting or important things, which is it's important to proactively communicate to the clients, like what you're doing, that you're continuing to be open for business and and what your workflows are kind of evolving into. You can't wait for your clients to come to you and ask you, if you're still around, um, you do have to proactively put some messaging together in a time like this and, and get out there and, and and push that to to your existing relationships. Absolutely. Yeah. The other thing is that, you know, we are late in the chain. And so what's happening right now is, you know, freelancers are able to pack up and go home and finish their work. But there's going to be a latency to the shock in the audio community which is what's happening right now on the sets, which is everything from Netflix and Amazon and everybody else is getting shut down. And so that's going to hit us in audio later. Yeah. Uh, and so there's a, there's a high incentive right now to do as much work as we can, stockpile as much cash as we can to, uh, to, you know, to try and buffer ourselves against what's coming at the end of the year. Yeah, um, absolutely. I think uh, like any financial advisor sort of talks about, oh, you have an emergency fund. This is what the emergency fund is for. I don't know how much like we can 
make gains during this period. To me, it's more like you have to take advantage of what you had stockpiled, whether it's knowledge or money or goodwill, uh, and use that now because I don't really, I don't really see too many opportunities to make more money. <laughs> I don't know if unless a- we want to get into babysitting or something. <laughs> I think it's just about survival right now, to be honest. Yeah. And I really feel for the companies out there, especially in live action, that have suddenly had the rug pulled out from under them. Because at least with animation, there is a really decent, you know, backlog of projects and things that have picture that's been locked and things that have been in the pipe for quite a while. But um, for us, it's just making sure we can kind of keep the lights on. It's definitely not a time to be taking advantage uh, of any situation. I mean, this is going to cost us money. We just we know that's the, the reality of it. We're going to be going to the store. We're going to be buying the gear we need to make all these work-from-homes happen. And it's just a sunk cost that everyone has to deal with right now in the whole industry. I think, honestly, to be working in any capacity, we can all count ourselves pretty lucky. That's a fact. My, my wife works in restaurants, and um, yeah, they just shut everything down. Same here in yeah. L.A. Yep, same. So, Tim, as a freelancer that packed everything up and came home, what, what was that process like for you on the front lines of that? Well, first of all, uh, I, one of the places I freelance uh, is one of the major networks in Canada called CTV. And uh, I mix a show that uh, for Americans would be kind of the equivalent of 60 Minutes. And the last two weeks of that series have been hour-long documentaries on... Uh, the f- two weeks ago was on Wuhan, uh, a Canadian that's living in Wuhan and what's going on there. And this week was uh, an interview with the head doctor uh, on this virus at the World uh, Health Organization, who's a Canadian. That's how they got access to him. And uh, since I worked on those two, I've been essentially crapping my pants. because uh, <laughs> I know, Tim has been the worst. Like, everybody at in our office is like... Well, you know, the health department is only saying do this, and Tim is just being like, no, everybody has to go home now. Everybody thought I was bonkers, and then four days later, everyone's like, Tim was right. (laughs) So, uh, but yeah, I I went in in, at nighttime when the studio building was empty, and uh, I grabbed all the gear I could and loaded it up. And uh, while I did it all by myself, and I had to, like, put stuff in the car and then go back into the building and get more and hope no one kind of jumped in the car and drove away with all of my equipment. But uh, that, that was a little alarming. But I got home. The, to add uh, to the complication of this, I started uh, upgrading my whole system recently and then uh, was called in to mix these documentaries. So I, my system, when I pulled it all out, was not fully like software installed and such like that. So uh, luckily that all went really well, except for my trackball mouse. I could not get the computer to recognize it. So I had was cutting for a little while without all my uh, quick keys on the mouse, which was absolutely infuriating, and I hope I never have to do it again. <laughs> yeah, I can hear you on that uh, one. But luckily, I got a hold of the right guy at Tech Support with the company that makes the uh, trackball, and uh, I'm up and running with that now, so all, all is good. But uh, yeah, it's a frightening thing. The What Renee was just talking about, about the, uh, the shockwave of the series I'm working on right now is somewhat rolling ahead, but you know who knows if it's going to change soon. Uh, I've got a couple episodes in the bank, so I've got at least another couple weeks of work. But, yeah, what happens in September and October when uh, there's just nothing because we're not recording the voiceover for the animation right now? So they can't be doing the animating. Uh, It's scary. It's not as scary as the live sound people. 
Uh, if you're listening to this and you're a live sound person, stay strong, man. I, I'm not sure uh, what I can say other than uh, reach out and talk to your brothers and sisters in the business and try and prop each other up. But uh, yeah, this is a, it's obviously not a sound focused problem. It's a worldwide problem, but uh, this is an industry that is predominantly freelancers. Uh, the people who work like Renee and Teresa at studios and Jeff and Kate, you have your employees. We often uh, on this podcast call that the, uh, what do you call it? The golden unicorn, Renee? It kind <laughs> of is. <laughs> yeah, like the, those jobs are disappearing where 20 years ago that was the norm normalcy. Now that's unusual and all of the freelancers are, uh, you know, there's positives of freelancing and this might be one of the negatives. So we're going to have to uh, figure it out. Yeah, a lot of being your own mechanic uh, is coming into play. And I think day-to-day, you get into a groove as a freelancer, maybe. You're like, oh, my system's all good. I don't need to screw around with much. Um, and then something like this happens and you have to install new software and you have to figure out new stuff. And that's where you're really tested. Uh, so I think that's a, one of the tough parts of uh, being on your own. Renee, do you want to tell us a story about how you found out about this uh, whole thing? Well, I mean, so it was spring break last week for us, and this is the first time that I've really had, you know, even been conscious of spring break because my child is all of a sudden out of school in spring break. He's a kindergartner. And so um, we planned a trip to go out into the woods. So we went out four-wheeling and in a camper, in a cabin and all of that, and there was no cell reception for anything. And we kind of come back to Armageddon a week later, and it's just uh, the wildest thing. You know, you... a week back from today, Monday, um, or I guess I should say a week and a half back, I mean, coronavirus was kind of a thing that people were talking about, and it was a little bit um, it was a little bit lighter back then than it is now. And then I come back and uh, yeah, the whole world's shutting down, and um, it's I think it's going to get even crazier, you know, in the next week or two. So uh, yeah, it was uh, it was I didn't get to I did even though it feels like. It, it happened all at once to people that sat and, and watched everything last week. It happened even more all at once to those of us that like, <laughs> kind of came back from the woods. <laughs> I like to think of you as the guy in the first episode of Walking Dead who wakes up in the hospital. who had been in a coma for two years and just like, what's going on? <laughs> well, Kate, Jeff, thank you very much for joining us today. I know you have had insanely busy days and this was valuable time. We appreciate you lending it to us. Oh, we're thrilled to yeah, be here. Thank we're you. happy to do it. Great. We'll keep maybe checking in on how things are going. Uh, There's so many more subjects that we could get into, one of them being like working from home and best practices around that. So maybe we'll investigate that as a topic for the next podcast or one of the next ones down the line. Thank you very much and uh, stay strong, everybody. (laughs) You too. (laughs) You too. Hang in there, everybody. We'll make it through. Thunders is produced by Timothy Muirhead, Renee Coronado, and Teresa Morrow. Theme music is by Mark Strait. Send your emails to info at tonebenderspodcast.com. Follow us on Twitter via at the Tonebenders and join Tonebenders Podcast on Facebook. Support this podcast. You can use our links when you shop with Amazon or B&H or leave us a tip. Just go to tonebenderspodcast.com and click the support button. Thanks for listening.